My name is Brittany, and I am the Young Adults Director here at Riverwood. And it's crazy to think that uh, the Ascent is one year old. We survived a whole year. We kept it alive. And now, yeah, it's so exciting. We're going into our second year. And, you know, this community has completely transformed my life. I was involved on the lead team all last year, and the amount that uh, God spoke to me, the amount that I grew, the connections that I made from being a part of this community completely changed me. And it is my heart and my prayer that uh, God would do something in each of you tonight and throughout this entire year. Uh, so question for you to start off our year, who here loves love? People are embarrassed to raise their hands because they don't want to admit it, right? And no, that's probably a good thing, because I have to tell you, until I was like 24 and a half years old, I hated people that loved love. Like, I, I actually just couldn't stand them. I'm 25, by the way, so I'm learning to have some, some grace and some empathy and trying to start to understand what the big deal about love is. Um, but some people, they just love love. And you know, I live with some some of these people. Well, I live with one particular, but my family seems to be full of people that just love love. But my one sister that I live with, she is probably like the definition of the, I, I don't even know what a word would be for the person who loves love, but she's the definition of it. She's the kind of person that watches the notebook and like uncontrollably sobs when Noah and Allie die together. Like, I don't know what's so beautiful about two people dying on the same day, but apparently something is like so beautiful about this that she just sobs. And I swear, you know what, you would probably not even be able to tell the difference if I died versus if she had just watched The Notebook. Like, that's how, how much this is. But she just, she loves love. People that love love, they just, they grab onto, like, these classic movies. But it doesn't even have to actually, like, be the classic movie that lovers of love love. It can be all those stupid, like, teen romance movies. You know the kinds that, like, you are forbidden to be near the person because you have some crazy disease, so you have to be five feet apart at all time. Like those kind of movies, or like the kind of movies where you're allergic to the sun and can't go out, yet somehow you find like your soulmate, and somehow that's like a beautiful thing, even though you die in the end. Sorry if I just ruined that for anyone. Um, or like the kind where you get stuck in a snowstorm with your enemy, and then you end up falling in love, or you run into someone randomly in New York City, and in the city of over eight million, not billion, whoa, eight million people, you tend to run into them time after time, and then you end up falling in love. Or you meet them on a trip to Paris, and then all of a sudden you go to Monte Carlo, and whoa, what's that there in Monte Carlo? Like, what is with these stupid, stupid movies that are so unrealistic, yet they keep making them? And why do they keep making them? They keep making them because we love them. Because 
we are obsessed with love. And I think that, you know, we are obsessed with love because God is obsessed with love. We are obsessed with love because we are created in the image of God, and God loves love. And so he has created this, us this way. And, you know, the theme of Scripture, the theme of our lives is, is all about this, this crazy thing that we call love. And there's this guy that's in the, the New Testament. His name is John. And he wrote uh, five books of the New Testament. He wrote the Gospel of John, which is an account of Jesus' life here on earth. And then he wrote three letters to the church. And then he wrote the book of Revelation. And, you know, John is one of those people that I would say he loved love. Like, he would be that guy crying in the notebook. He would be that guy that watches The Bachelor every single week. And even though one guy is dating 30 women, you're like, how does this work? He'd be rooting for love because he loves love. And John, just to give you a little bit of a background to him, he was one of the best friends of Jesus. So Jesus, he had 12 disciples, 12 men that he um, brought alongside him in his ministry on earth. And he trained them up so that they could take um, over and build the church after Jesus left. And out of those 12 disciples, uh, he had three best friends. And John, he was, he's one of those best friends. He was that disciple that saw things that no one else got to see. He was that disciple who, he was the only one who was at the cross when Jesus died. He was the one that Jesus asked to take care of his mother Mary when Jesus was going to be leaving the earth. That is how close John was to Jesus. That's how close John was to God. And so we would imagine then John being that close to God that he would know a thing or two about love. And so we read this in in 1 John. It's the first letter that John writes to the church that we have recorded. And in 1 John 4, starting in verse 7, he writes this. He says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God is love. And it's not that we loved God, but that God actually loved us first. And I think in our society these days, we have this um, very broad understanding of love. Like if I were to say to you, what is the very first thing that you think of when you think of the word love, what do you think of? Just think it in your mind. Don't say it out loud. What do you think of? Do you think of, you know, your husband or your wife, your boyfriend or your girlfriend? Do you think of your family or your friends? Do you think of your pet? You know, do you think of your hobby or maybe the fact that you lack love? What do you think of? It goes, it's so broad, but in scripture, um, the New Testament, it was actually originally written in Greek. And in the Greek language, there was four types of love. First of all, there was storge love. And this was like family love. This was the, the natural affection. So I have two sisters and, you know, me and my sisters, We love each other, but we fight sometimes, right? We're sisters. That's what you do with siblings. And so me and one of my sisters, we might be fighting, but then if someone else tries to fight with my sister or get in the way of that fight, all of a sudden, me and my sister, we are now fighting against them (laughs) because we have this this storge love. We have this love, this understanding that we love each other and we can fight and we still love each other and we got each other's back. It's this 
this natural affection that we have. And then there's phileo love. And phileo, that's, that's friendship. That's mutual affection. That is like um, mutual satisfaction is how some people put it, which means that you give and you take. It's this back and forth, give and receive. It's like, if you need to think of it, you think of Philadelphia, it's a city of brotherly love, or philanthropist, it's the generous giver, the love of people. This is phileo, it's a friendship love. And then there's eros, this is kind of the one that our society likes to talk about the most. This is a romantic love. This is between a man and a woman, a husband and wife, whatever it might be. And they describe this as something that is self-satisfaction because it's something that you are wanting to get out of it. And sure, there's, there's the mutual aspect of it, but scholars define it as self-satisfaction, something you are trying to receive. And the word ero erotic comes from this word eros, which is the romantic kind of love. But none of these loves is what John is talking about here in scripture. He's talking about an entirely different kind of love. And that kind of love, that's agape. That is the I choose you kind of love. That's the, I don't care what your response is going to be of me because no matter what, I am choosing to love you. This kind of love, it's not based off a feeling, it's based off of an action. I mean, think about it. Jesus' greatest act of love for us was dying on the cross. And do you think dying on the cross felt good? Do you think he felt like he wanted to die a brutal death? Do you think that um, being on a cross for hours felt like something he wanted to do, even though he had no idea if those he was dying for was going to accept him or not. That is what agape love is. Agape love is not a feeling. It's not even necessarily mutual. It's the I choose you no matter what if you are going to choose me back or not. So God, God loves love, but even more than that, God is love. And, and what does this mean? It means that the very essence of God is love. It's agape love. It's the kind that chooses to risk, the kind that chooses to love no matter what the response is. It's the love that God gave to us as he created an entire universe to place us and just to be able to demonstrate to us how much he actually loves us. It's this kind of love that is totally unbalanced because we have nothing to give, yet God ke still keeps giving to us. And we keep on sinning, yet God keeps forgiving us. And, and we, keep, we keep rejecting God, but God, he keeps pursuing us. This is the agape love. This is what it means that God is love. It's his very essence. It's his very character. He cannot deny himself. And it's not like this elementary school kind of pursuing. This is like hardcore, very dramatic gesture kind of pursuing. Like, you guys remember elementary school and, like, your very first love in elementary school? <laughs> Some of you are thinking back to it now. Like, how, how just immature was it? Like, you hardly even had to talk to the person, yet somehow you knew that you liked each other. And it wouldn't even go from, you know, you notice someone and so you start dating them because, come on, you're only in grade one. But it goes from you notice someone and then you get married to them. Like, every elementary school has the wedding spot. Like, I can picture it so clearly at my elementary school in North Kildonan, and it was just like this one corner of the school, and that's where all the, like, the grade ones and twos would go, and, and they would get married. But it, it's, it's only for a year, and then after the year, it was just agreed upon that you would then get divorced. But you would go, and, and you would hardly ever have to talk to the person. 
But it's not that elementary school kind of love, and it's not even that middle school, high school kind of love, because we all know how that went. And unfortunately, too many of us have carried that into young adult life. But it's not even like that, because when you're in middle school, you don't even communicate with the person. You, you, like, you notice someone, you like them, and so then you ask your friend to go ask her friend if she likes you. And so then her friend goes and tells your friend, yes, she does like you. And so then your friend goes to her friend and says, do you want to go out? And then her friend says to your friend, yes. And you don't even know if you're actually dating or not because all you hear about it is through your friends. And this is the kind of middle school love. It's like you're too scared to even walk across the room. But this isn't the type of love that God does. God is not too scared to walk across the room. God is in hot pursuit of you. He's in hot pursuit of you. And it's not just like it's life or death. It's because it is life or death. And he pursues us not as if chasing us to punish us or chasing us to um, judge us. He's pursuing you because he wants to rescue you. He's pursuing you because he actually wants to heal you. He's pursuing you solely because he wants to love you. And he's just, he's the ultimate initiator. We don't have to make the first move. He's already made the first move, and he's willing to risk everything to show us that he loves us. And he's okay with it being unbalanced, and he's okay with giving everything to us without receiving anything in return because that's who God is. That's how God is love. And what we need to do is we need to allow God's love to lead. We need to allow God's love to go first. So if God is the initiator, then we are the responder. And sometimes we get this mixed up because we think, or at least if we don't think it, we act like uh, we have to take the first move. We have to accept him. And then once we accept him, once we're forgiven, then he will love us. But that's not how it works. God love, God's love leads. And to be honest, I think that I've gotten this wrong so many times. I got this wrong even over the past couple of months when I was praying and dreaming up what I wanted to see in this community, what I believe that God wanted for this community. And I felt like as I was praying over it, God was saying, go back to the simplicity of the gospel. Go back to the simplicity of Christianity. You've made it way too complicated. Go back to the basics. And the basics are love God, love people. It's like it's so simple. It's love God, love me, and love people. And so I started, started thinking more about this and how I wanted to see us as a community love God and love people. And then I realized this past week, wait a minute, I got it backwards. It's not love God. It's God loves. God loves. That is, that's the simplicity of it. We only love God because God first loved us. And the only reason that we can accept and love God in the first place is because he's already made the first move. He's walked across the room to you. He actually walked across the cosmos for you. He stepped down from heaven and came to earth only to show you that he chooses you. He wants a relationship with you. He loves you. And for some reason, at least I find this in my own life, I have no problem telling other people, you know, God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. But I have a much harder time saying, God loves me. But John, John in the Bible, going back to him for a minute, he had no issue with this, at least not from what we see in the Gospel of John. Because in the Gospel of John, John refers to himself four times. And when he's referring to himself, he never actually says, you know, like, I, John, or John did this, or John said this. Every single time that John talks about himself, he calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. 
Not the disciple who loves Jesus. The disciple whom Jesus loves. And it might seem like overconfident and in our Manitoba humble culture, we don't always like that. But he wasn't saying that he was the only one that Jesus loved or even that he was the one that Jesus loved best. He was just saying that he knew who he was. He knew that he was the one that Jesus loves. And he, this is where he placed his identity. But even more than that, he placed his identity in, but I think he also just shielded his identity behind the love of Christ. Because your identity, that's the most vulnerable part of who you are. If the enemy can attack your identity, he has a really good hook to get you to go where he wants you to go. He does this all the time. We see this all the time in scripture. He's constantly trying to attack who you are. He's trying to attack your character. He's trying to take you away from this idea that you're a child of God and, and tell you that you are something else. And we, we like to create our own kinds of shields. So we create these cardboard-like shields as if we were children playing pretend. And we make these cardboard-like shields and it looks like, you know, it looks like your work or your school. And you shield your identity in what you do or who you think you want to become. Or you shield your identity behind, behind your talents or your gifts. You're a creative. You are an athlete. You are um, an academic. Whatever it may be, you shield your identity behind your gifts. Or one of the most popular, especially for our generation, is we shield our identity behind our relationship status. Like, how often do you look at your relationship status, either, either single or married or engaged or, or dating, whatever it might be, and you allow that to speak into your identity. You allow that to shield your identity. And, and singles, how often have, have you heard, you know, someone comes up to you, it's usually someone who's a little bit older, and they say, you know, you're so great. How have you not found someone yet? And you're like, well, let me think about that really logical question. Like, it doesn't make sense, but they're telling you, like, that your relationship status is all about if you are great or not, and if you don't have someone, you must not be as great as people think you are. Or those who are dating or married or in a relationship, how often do you think maybe before you got into a relationship that once you had someone, you would begin to love yourself? Once you saw that you were worthy of a man or a woman's love, that's when you would begin to love yourself. That's when you would accept your body. That's when you would accept who you are. But then you got into that relationship and you saw that your insecurities were all still there because that didn't actually solve anything. Because you just created this cardboard shield instead of shielding your identity behind the love of Christ. You know, when I think about this generation, when I dream about our generation, our generation here in Winnipeg, our generation of 111,343 young adults that live in our city, you know, I could say, let's be that generation that just changes the world. Let's be that generation that gets super involved in climate change and stands up for our planet and makes it better than the way that we left in our generations before us left it. I could say let's be that generation that gets involved in politics and make sure that our voices are heard and that, that we are able to speak into what is happening in our government. I could say let's be that generation that ends poverty. Let's be that generation that ends homelessness in our city. That, let's be that generation that goes out and, and ends slavery. I could say all these things and these things are good. And I want to see this happen. I want to see our generation involved in these things. But even more than that, it 
I think it all begins with being a generation that says, I am the one that Jesus loves. Because if we can say, I am the one that Jesus loves, everything else will flow from that. So I want you to just, just take a moment, just in the quietness of your heart. Can you say to yourself, I am the one that Jesus loves. I am the one that Jesus loves. Do you believe it? Do you believe that Jesus loves you? Because it's not just this basic, simple idea. It's not just this child song. Jesus loves you is the most powerful truth in our entire lives. But do you actually believe it? Have you been walking around saying, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. I want to show the world God's love, yet you haven't actually believed it for yourself. You haven't actually believed that God loves you, that God loves me. Because when we allow this message to sink in, when we allow it to actually change our lives, it's going to change everything. It's going to ruin our plans. It's going to mess us up a little bit. But, but that's okay. Because it flips things around. It flips things around and we stop going to church because it's an obligation. But we start going because we allow God's love to lead and we see that we are so much stronger in community. And we don't just tithe because we feel like we have to or because someone told us that we had to. We tithe and we give part of our money to the church because we're allowing God's love to lead and we do it out of this thankfulness that God has given us so much. And we won't just serve because we feel pressure to do so, but we'll serve because we're allowing God's love to lead us and we actually want to use the best of our time and the gifts he's given us to impact other people and show them who God is and God's love for them. And we won't just worship because everyone else is doing it or because we feel like we have to or we feel like we need to fit in at church, but we do it out of a response that God is good. We allow God's love to lead and we do it because we want to just give all the glory to him. In fact, if you are feeling pressured, if you dread going to church, if you dread serving, if tithing is a really big struggle for you. It might be in some of those cases that you're in the wrong place or maybe you're serving in a place that just isn't a good fit for you, but I also want you to think. Are you doing it out of a response of guilt and not out of a response for God's, of God's love for you? See why understanding God's love is so important? It's because everything we do, everything about our lives and about our faith and about who we are flows from this understanding that God is love and that God loves you. And if you haven't, haven't ever accepted it, if you said those words in your heart and said, Jesus loves me and you, maybe you don't quite believe it. No, that's okay. Because it doesn't matter if you believe it or not, it's true. And it doesn't matter if you think you deserve it or not, because it's true. It doesn't matter if you've done so much in your past or you're going to do so much in the future. It's still true. The scripture says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. That means that you cannot separate yourself unless you go through your entire life just continually denying God. You cannot separate yourself from the love of God because God loves you no matter what. And maybe you're, you're, gonna, you're believing that for the first time tonight. 
Or maybe you, you wandered away, but you're coming back and you said it and you're like, I accept that. I want to believe it. We want to have a conversation with you. I want to talk with you about it. If you have any questions about what I even was talking about tonight, what is this love of God? I would love to have a conversation with you. And uh, so you can come up to me after. We also have a prayer team that's at the back during this last song, and, and they would love to talk with you. You can ask questions. Or we also have um, a phone number that we'll put up on the screens. And this is just a number that you can anonymous, anonymously text um, if you have questions or if you decide that, you know, tonight was the night that you were going to follow God. Tonight was the night that you accepted for the first time that Jesus does love you and that you don't have to work for it. You don't have to strive for it. You just get to be. You just get to be in it. So we'll have this also on our social media so you can, you can text us anytime, but we would love to have that conversation with you. But right now we are going to get into a time of just of celebration. And like I said before, like worship, it's a response of knowing how much God loves us and wanting to give him all the glory, wanting to give him all the praise. And this is something that we get to get excited about. Sometimes we sing songs that, that speak to our brokenness, that speak to our pain. And then sometimes, like tonight, we're going to sing songs that, that speak to the joy that God gives us, that speaks to the excitement that we, can, that we can be in when we allow God's love to lead us and that we can just, we can get super excited. And so I invite you to, to stand with me and we are going to worship. But I just want to pray before we, before we head into it. God, thank you for your love. Thank you that you have changed our entire lives because you just, you made the first move. You made the first move on us and now we get to celebrate knowing that no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, no matter what we are going to do, you continue to love us and God, we give you all the praise. And all God's people said, amen. Guys, let's